Steve, welcome to 2022, man. That feels weird to say. That, yeah, that is weird. <laughs> We're getting old, man. It just doesn't, uh, the years don't slow down, do they? Yeah. Speaking of getting old, every time you used to change a year, it's like you would write it wrong for the first, you know, two weeks or four weeks or whatever. But now we just never write the date anymore. It's not like you're writing checks or anything. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Super old. Uh, do you have a good break? Uh, not particularly. <laughs> <laughs> My wife's family came to town and uh, her brother and, and sister and their uh, wives and husbands and kids. And we were, uh, it was a melting pot of sickness basically. So we were, we had as much fun as we could, but we had kids throwing up and parents sick. And <laughs> my wife and I have been sick for the last four days. I'm just finally kind of able to talk normal today. Like it's, uh, it's been pretty crummy. So, uh, yeah. not the best way to start off the new year, but Hey, what can you do? Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of a melting pot of sickness, one of the things I want to talk about was show season. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that's a good segue into it. Yeah, yeah that's a good segue. Uh, uh, I wasn't planning on tying it in like that. But since you said it, um, one of the things we want to make sure we mentioned here, just you know, up front in the new year is obviously it's headed into the time January and February. There's a lot of outdoor shows, hunting shows, and just talk about where we will be. So uh you know, obviously it's, it's been different last year. A lot of the shows were either canceled or postponed and we didn't really do anything. Uh, but this year we plan on being at hunt expo, uh, in Salt Lake city, and then the Pacific Northwest sportsman show in Portland. Uh, both of those are back to back in February. Um, so hunt expo is February 10th to 13th, and then Portland is going to be February 16th to 20th. So those are a couple of shows we've been to a handful of times and always enjoy them, um, getting to connect with customers face-to-face and uh, tell stories. And obviously, if guys are interested in checking out packs, it's a good opportunity to do that and try them on and test load them with weight and get fitted and all that good stuff. So um, we always get the questions of where we're going to be and when and you know, just being again, like a smaller company with limited staff and limited time. Uh, we're sticking to those couple shows this year because if we wanted to, we could be somewhere different. It feels like every other week, uh, especially in this time of year, but unfortunately we just can't do that. So it'd be good to hopefully get back to a little bit of normal Steve and, and see some folks after not doing it last year. Yeah, absolutely. It was, um, honestly, it was for me, kind of a nice break last year, just to, I think I was probably like, 12 years in a row of show seasons and not having to do it. But uh, at the same time, it is fun to catch up with everybody and um, the just, yeah, just BS and meet new people. And, and, and like I said, uh, run into old friends that you just, those are kind of the only times you see them yeah, at those shows where, cause they live in different States and whatnot. So it's going to be fun to get back to it other than the melting pot of sickness. Cause it's other than uh, the melting pot. <laughs> it's pretty much a guaranteed you're fighting off some type of cold or flu bug uh, during that. So, yeah. Yeah. It was pretty common to get some sort of touch of something in the pre COVID areas, uh, era. So right. now with that going on, we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll kind of see what happens there. <laughs> uh, uh, and then if you guys are hearing that and you think you may be coming out and you're wondering about buying a pack, cause we always get questions on that. We don't bring inventory with us, but we will take orders and can do free shipping and usually have some sort of a show special for those in-person purchases as well. So it's something where you can come see it, uh, get fitted, check it out, place an order right then and there, and it should ship within just a couple of days to you. So that's probably what it's looking like for pack sales for that. Um, 
yeah, that's going to be good. Um, what else is new in 2022? Steve, wanted to just chat about the podcast a little bit. We obviously took a little bit of a break here at the end of the year. Um, you know, the podcast we started back in 2015. So we're going into the seventh year of the podcast, which is insane to think about. So we didn't, we didn't have like this long grand plan when we started podcast. It was much more like, yeah, we should do a podcast and see what happens. Um, and it was honestly the marketplace of podcasts was much different then. And there weren't as many shows as there are now, but, uh, it's been a cool ride and honestly, it's, um, we're excited to continue it. So in the new year, the biggest thing that uh, we always want to do is trying to provide content that's helpful to you guys, the listeners. And sometimes that's interviews with quote unquote experts. Sometimes it's listener stories. Sometimes it's you and I, Steve chatting about things. And so all that will continue, but just want to recap. And we always mention like, Hey, if you have any questions or suggestions to shoot us an email, uh, but we really mean that if there's something that you guys want to hear about, or you think is missing, or you think we should even revisit because we haven't talked about it, uh, always feel free to reach out. And it's always really good to hear uh, from you guys what you want to hear on the podcast. But um, I'm excited, Steve. It's We had such a good fall of hunting and adventures, but I always get re-energized here at the beginning of the year of like thinking about what's next and planning and all that stuff. So it's an exciting time to be thinking about those things. Yeah. Speaking of you already got a badass Alaska hunt that you booked. What's that? What's the details on that? Dude, I don't know. It doesn't even feel real yet. I don't like smile ear to ear as I like say <laughs> this, um, going on a mountain goat hunt in Alaska, which, uh, has been literally, I mean, people throw out like dream hunt and once in a lifetime hunt and all that stuff. And, uh, I don't know, dude, it's, it's, uh, the affinity I've had to hunt mountain goats has been there for quite a while. And in the last like five years, it's gotten worse and worse every year (laughs) of like, gosh, dang it. I need to make this happen somehow, some way. And obviously being uh, a non-resident to many lower 48 States and even, in many lower 48 states, if you are a resident, it still can be very tough to get an opportunity to hunt mountain goats. Um, you know, I've played the game and put in in a bunch of states every year with the crazy low odds, hoping to get lucky. Uh, or you can look at going up to uh, primarily Alaska or British Columbia and doing a hunt uh, that's guided. That's your only choice if you're going up there as a non-resident. And uh, it's happening this year. So I had set a goal to myself of that's what I want to do for, uh, turning 40, which I will, I'm 37 now. So I'll turn 20, I'll turn 38 in 2022. And, uh, wasn't necessarily happening on, wasn't planning on it happening this early. I just wanted to do it when I was 40 and, uh, the stars aligned, I guess you could say with some opportunities that we'll talk more about. Um, and yeah, dude, it, it still just doesn't feel real, man. It's pretty, it's pretty crazy. Um, so I am, I was telling you, I'm like so dang excited about this hunt. And at the same time, uh, you know, a new species and like a new area of Alaska that I haven't been to. And just the whole newness of it is like really reinvigorating. Um, and it makes me want to like, just process that and 
it really reminds me of when I started elk hunting, which was my first Western hunting, um, and did the blog soul adventure. And, uh, that's when I started writing was because of a lot of what I was learning about that process and all through it, uh, is why I started writing years and years ago. And so I'm going to do kind of the same with this mountain goat hunts and writes about it and just my preparation for it and what I'm learning and my thoughts and, uh, kind of document not just the hunt, but the whole process leading up to it this year. So, uh, I'll be dropping the first article for that, which is obviously just kind of an introduction, uh, this coming week. And we'll be doing that just all over on the EXO blog. So if you guys don't yet, you can sign up to receive emails from us, um, just to get future updates for pieces of content like that, that aren't released through the podcast, but that hunt will definitely spill over into the podcast. Like we'll be talking with some mountain goat, uh, hunting experts, if you will, we'll be talking with the guy that I'll be hunting with as the guide and there'll be a lot more to come, but yeah, dude, it still is like, I don't know. doesn't fully feel real yet. <laughs> that's, a, that's awesome, man. It's fun when you're that excited about something, you know, that just, it's nine months away and you're just sitting here just like, you know, ready to go tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That excitement, anticipation, there's nothing better. And like you said, that's what we've talked about here in the last few, uh, few months. I think it's come up a couple of times. Like that is part of the hunt, right? Like that's the whole story yeah. is that it's from the day you, you know, it's not even from the day you book it. It's from the, from the day you decide that that's a goal you want to achieve. Um, yeah. and that whole process, it's pretty cool. And I'm excited to, to have you kind of start blogging and writing, um, more frequently. Cause that's, uh, something you're very, very talented at. And that's pretty cool. Yeah. It's been like now that it's official, right. It feels like the beginning, but it's also feels like it's, you know, it's just something I've been thinking about and dreaming about for so long. And, you know, it was like jumping that gun on so many things, the area of Alaska I'll be hunting in it's mandated that you have to take uh, a sex identification quiz for mountain goats, um, you know, to distinguish you know, between billies and nannies and, um, it's something I don't even know if it's going to be legal, quote unquote legal, the quiz that I took. It's uh, you have to pass this quiz to hunt essentially. And as soon as I knew I was going, I was like, I'm just going to go ahead and take the quiz just to see where I land type thing. And I scored like a perfect score on it, but I'm like, I'll probably have to retake it because it was in a different calendar year than my hunt. But oh. <laughs> yeah, I've just been like, you know, just so fascinated with goats and goat country and the type of hunt that that is for quite a while. So now that like that research and all that's just kicking into overdrive. I've been, yeah, ordering books and just doing all kinds of stuff, man. It's just, and it's so much fun, as you said, just to be that into it for the whole process and not just for that week of the hunt itself. So mm -hmm. again, much more to come. Um, if you guys have questions about that specifically, feel free to reach out as well. Cause we'll be talking about the podcasts and articles and yeah. The, the number of questions that I'm not even questions, but just even things I'm debating, right? Like what gun do I bring? What bolt do I shoot? What do I do this? Do I do that? And you know, there's just, it's fun to go through all that stuff for sure. in preparation of a hunt. Yeah, absolutely. So you'll be uh, going back to Alaska as well for sheep redemption. We know that that's happening, right? Yeah. Yeah. We had the hunt that was supposed to be this year. They got canceled and it was rescheduled for next year. So I just talked with Dwayne, um, who we've had a guest on the podcast before and, uh, yeah, we're scheduled to go up there to be, I think this August 10th is the hunt. So fly up seventh or eighth. Um, yeah, it's going to be going to be excited get cheap back to back years. Um, 
pretty pretty stinking lucky, man. Got to pinch myself. Yeah. Yeah, and again, being a non-resident, uh, as many folks are probably aware, Idaho tags were already on sale, so I've already picked up an elk tag. So it's it's early in the the planning season, like application season in particular, um, for things. But I already, you know, basically know three of the hunts I'll be doing next fall, which is it's pretty wild going into it and being this early, but definitely that time of year where there's a, a lot of uh dreaming and planning and all that stuff uh, um you know i can think back to last year we had uh jared lyle from the hunting fool on the podcast that'd be a great episode to hmm. go back and revisit this time of year because we talked a lot about different tag opportunities and strategies um you know, looking at things like preference points and bonus points and had a pretty comprehensive, uh, discussion with Jared last year. Um, and so I just looked at episode 269. Um, and that would just be a great episode to go back and revisit really each year. Um, and you know, different, different States do change regulations, uh, year to year. So keep that in mind as you're listening to an older podcast, but um, we discuss a lot of the different things you should know about looking at Western states and looking at specific species and understanding tag opportunities and, you know, what draws are worth considering and what ones are honestly unreachable for some non-residents and different things like that. So that episode 269 would be a great one to go back and listen to as we're planning this time of year, for sure. Yeah, was, as you're saying that, I was like, man, we should get him back on and kind of do an update and yeah, because things do change all the time. Just hit the, you know, hit top the what's 10 new. things that, that have changed or, you know, concerns he's had that are coming to fruition or not, or, you know, things like that. would be cool. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, we talked in that episode about how for some of the States, some of the points games are just not sustainable for the way that yeah. they're structured. So it would be good to revisit that with him and just kind of see what's changed in the last year, even if that's, not some sort of official regulation, but just more of how he even looks at things. And again, he's one guy, but he's super informed and in terms of understanding all the states and demands for tags and what things are looking like for sure. All right. Um, What else do you have anything else that you know of Steve for the new year that you're doing? I don't think you do besides all your plentiful opportunities at home in Idaho. Oh, hunt wise. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, no, no, not really. Just, uh, going to be just trying to be ambitious, man. Like, um, I don't want to, uh, just personally like look back 10 years from now and be like, ah, why didn't I hunt more? You know what I mean? Um, so I, I kind of, um, hunted a lot in 2021, but not a, not a ton. Right. I mean, I also balance, uh, yeah, you gotta be a, I gotta be a good husband and and father and be around for my kids and give my Mm -hmm. wife breaks and stuff like that. Um, so just trying to be like, work it out with the wife of, um, I think it was Dan Soulsman who was years ago. We had him on the podcast. It was like the best thing he ever did was just like start writing hunts down on the calendar. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but actually just, uh, talking about that with my wife just last night, like, all right, I'm going to got a year, a, a whole one year calendar up on the wall in the bathroom. I'm going to start writing down all the dates of like, these are hunts that I'm firmly doing. These are hunts that I want to do. And then, and then, you know, I'm like, Hey, if you want to take vacations with your friends, like go, like, just go do it. Cause like, it takes the guilt off of me, right. For, for going and hunting. So pre-planning mm-hmm. that out now, so she can do some stuff this spring, this summer, um, 
where, so I can really kind of get after it in the fall. That's definitely a kind of my big plan, but I'd love to got the goat or the sheep hunt. Uh, definitely do elk in Idaho. I really want to go back and do a moose hunt in Alaska. Uh, I also got, uh, obviously, uh, in Idaho with the trophy species, I, I've, I've got my mountain goat tag, got lucky last year, got my sheep tag. Both of those are notched and once in a lifetime, so they're done. So the next one to move on to is, is moose here in Idaho. So I'll start applying for that. And those can be pretty high draw odds. I mean, I think you could be, um, some of the units that aren't considered prime trophy units, you can be looking at like 20, 30% draw. Odds. So the chance of drawing a moose tag in Idaho this year is, is there for sure. So got to start researching and, and planning for that. And, mm-hmm. uh, oh man. Yeah. Just, uh, just living the dream here. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. It's, it's pretty awesome. So, um, yeah. yeah, just yeah, that's... have a plethora of stuff. And again, again, I just don't want to look back and, um, I, I guess I have the perspective of, um, when my wife and I didn't have kids, like you, you just like, Oh, I don't have time or I don't have the money or whatever. But all you, all you ever do is look back and like, God, why didn't I do more? You know? Uh, mm-hmm. and, and I know right now my kids are still young. My wife's uh, staying at home. Like I, I've got the, and obviously have a flexible work schedule. Um, so I don't, I don't want to look back 10 years and be like, oh, I was an idiot. I should have done more. Yeah. That's yeah. my overarching theme at the moment. Yeah. And I think, I mean, that applies to everybody, wherever you're right. at in life, listening to this. Cause for some guys, that's not taking three hunts a year. That's literally taking one hunt a year. But, and I touched on this in that article I wrote about the goat hunt and just the, that introductory article I'll be putting up. It's, you know, if there's one thing I've learned, I feel like, especially in my thirties, it's that you can't just wait and hope in life. Um, you just have to take action towards what you want. And that doesn't mean that you can do whatever you want to do whenever you want to do it. It just means you have to be intentional about taking action and making progress in the direction that you want to go. So, you know, things like the goat hunt, something I've been wanting to do for years and honestly didn't even think it was going to happen this soon, but you can apply that to my goat hunt. You could apply that to shoot the first time I went on a Western hunt years ago. I mean, there was, I had every excuse to not do it. Meaning like the time was hard to come by with my work schedule. I had a young baby at home. It wasn't ideal time to leave. Yada, yada, yada. Like I, you can always make excuses And the problem becomes you can end up doing that for like five years and 10 years and all that. Mm -hmm. And so there is a balance between like taking care of what you have to, you know, both from a work perspective and family perspective and all that. But I I just, it's a cop out to say that it's impossible to at least pursue your dreams and still live in reality, right? Right. So you can, you know, do great at work and be a great husband, father and all that, and pursue something you're passionate about. Again, there's like this crazy balancing act, right? But I guess what I'm getting at is in the end for guys hearing this, like if there's something that you want to do, maybe you can't do it this year. Maybe it's not possible, but what can you do to like at least work towards it with some intention this year, you know, to get closer to making it happen. Mm, I like that rant over. (laughs) 
didn't mean to get all philosophical. Do you, do you do a, I don't I think we've maybe talked about in this past. Do you do like a new year's kind of resolutions thing? No, not really. Um, yeah. I mean, I think I do try to look at things from a fresh perspective at the new year. Um, you know, and my wife, even like last week got out, like she calls them like a vision board and we do them with the kids, which is really fun to see what they put on there. But it's like, Hey, what do you want to do or change or accomplish in the new year? And it's not like a resolution, but it's just like, it's a, she calls it a vision board. It's like, what would a great 2022 look like for you? Mm. And that may be something, you know, an activity that you do. It may be something that you want to like change in your habits, whatever. But at the end of the day, I don't think there's anything special about the new year. Um, you know, if you want to make changes for the better in your life, you're do it on March 3rd, right? Like right, do it right, today. Right, right. I don't care yeah. what the date is. Um, so yeah, I don't really do yeah, resolutions per se. That said, for me, there's this natural cycle. And I think for most people of like, clearly you get to the end of the year and you both look back and you look forward. And so it just makes a lot of sense to like reflect on what do you want to change? So I'm not yeah. an anti-resolution person because it makes a lot of sense, but um, yeah, I, you know, I just try and be intentional as much as possible. And um, yeah, dude, there's just, it is, it's difficult. There's, there's just a lot of stuff, right? Like personally that you want to do and with family and professionally and with other relationships and family, like it's just, it's flat out hard to juggle everything. And so I think that's all the more reason you do have to like take the time to be intentional. And obviously I'm, as you know, Steve, like more of a planning type guy. So I have to like write things down and try to follow some sort of structure that allow me to get as much done or be the person that I want to be. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, um, while we're on it, let's hit some listener questions. It is a Monday minute after all, this one came up and is timely. Just want to make sure we hit it. This guy wrote in and said, I'm in the, in the market for some winter hunting boots and also want to use them for snow trips with my family. I was wondering if you guys had any boot suggestions for this type of use. And also what did you use on last year's cold weather death hike? Um, yeah. Where would you start with that one, Steve? Uh, <laughs> winter hunting, boots. <laughs> I got nothing there, man. Got um, yeah, I got nothing. Uh, I, I don't think you, I mean, find a good Gore-Tex boot. That's probably leather and treat it, you know, treat the leather well with, uh, uh, whatever the heck, um, oils you rub in there. Right. Um, and, uh, that's, that's about it for, yeah, I don't know if, because yeah. a true winter boot is going to be more rubberized and something you would definitely not want to like hike a lot of miles in. Right? right. Um, so yeah, as far as what I wore on the death hike, I went with those, um, AKU, so AKU and it's called Tengu light T N T E N G U light. Um, man, it's a really incredible shoe. And someone just on Instagram messaged me the other day about going on a sheep hunt and any recommendations. Cause they were listening to the podcast and similar with, um, similar with me that they, they, they appreciate like a Solomon, you know, more trail running, hiking, light hiking shoe than, than a heavy boot and asking if it was true that, um, you know, it's like you read sheep hunting or you Google like sheep hunting boots or something like that. And every idiot out there is telling you, you need like a freaking super stiff scarpa something like that and yeah. and like my advice would be like 
and this guy, I think I remember I looked at his profile. I was like, ah, he's hiking big mountains and stuff like that. He like the terrain isn't that different. You're on rocks more often than lower 48, but it's mm-hmm. not like this. Um, uh, it's not a black and white thing by any stretch of the imagination. Like the, my Frank church hunt this year was way rougher than, than the Alaska range was um, as far as just the type of rocks and terrain that you're on. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, yeah, my, my advice was just stick with what, you know, right. Like don't change it up, but that Aku bring it back that Aku boot. Um, that's one I would definitely look at. Like that's, it's pretty sweet. There's just a couple little things that hold me back from wearing it. Um the sole is just a little stiffer than I'd like. Um, but, uh, it's, it's pretty dang close. That's for sure. So, yeah. Uh, you or the Hanvog Macro tracks, right? I did. Yeah. Yeah. Those were yeah. a solid choice. And that being, that's a mostly synthetic boot. Um, Correct. which has its pros, right. It dries out quicker. And so maybe that's mm-hmm. a good winter choice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, I'm, I'm kind of with you where I, haven't really worn quote unquote winter boots um much i mean i have some you know 400 gram insulated boots and they're fine i mean it's just, it's just totally it's not so much the weather it's what are you doing in that weather right so obviously the yeah. death hike we're mobile if we're not sleeping essentially so it just really wasn't important um to have a high level of insulation or even any insulation for that matter um, even though it was really cold. And I think it's much more important to have things like making sure, obviously they're waterproof, uh, extend that up beyond your boots, making sure that you have good gaiters. Cause obviously if you're getting into snow and even if your pants start to get wet, that's going to get down into your boots. Um, so waterproof boots and gaiters, and if you're relatively active, then, um, you're probably going to be warm enough with smart sock choices can be important. And then also just making sure, um, that you're changing your socks if needed. So, you know, if you're out for, he mentioned like a, a trip with this family, maybe they're not out for hours and hours and hours, but on a longer hunt, uh, maybe you do need to just change your socks um, as well. Cause that becomes really important. Just keeping that dry and fresh, you know, when you are hunting and getting a bit more stationary, um, honestly, if, if you're going to be stationary for quite a while in cold weather, I would be looking at something as an alternative to an insulated boot and think more like taking your boots off and throwing on like a down booty or something of that effect. Um, if you are going to be stationary. So, you know, and I've seen you do this a ton, Steve, of just talking about the importance of airflow in cold weather. Mm-hmm. Um, and we shoot, we were hunting on our elk hunt this past fall and glassing on a very cold morning, uh, at least for October, very cold. And, uh, you took your boots off and I think put gloves on your feet, right? <laughs> <laughs> I did. Uh, I did. Yeah. I put my yeah. first like gloves on my feet, the down, uh, those down gloves. Yeah. And that was awesome. My feet were great. And I think yeah. I got, and then I pulled my sleeping bag. No, I didn't have my sleeping bag. Oh, maybe Not it was a jacket. One. I did yeah. something. I wrapped something around my toes and yeah. they were super warm once you did that. But basically, cause you were, you know, you got, if you have a, on a boot, there's this weird dynamic of, um, for warm. I mean, you need air, right. Um, you need air in there to create warmth. Um, you know, it's just like, think about down insulation, right? It's not the down itself. It doesn't create the warmth that's creating an air gap between the outside air and your body. Um, when you've got a thick sock on, 
and you've got a frozen boot and then you jam it in there um, that, that there's no air pocket in there. So the, if you know, your skin's pressed fairly tight up against the edge of the shoe, it just sucks the heat right out of your feet. Uh, so actually in that situation, taking off my boots and just putting on, slipping on those little, um, uh, the gloves over the my tips of my toes was way, way, way warmer than sitting there in my boots. Um, but obviously with a, you need, you can't have a bunch of air in your boots because that would mean there's open space and your feet would be sliding around creating hot spots and blisters. So, um, it's a little tough on a shoe for sure. Um, yeah. but I would always, always like air on, um, if it's cold, use like good wool socks versus getting boots that have like more thin slit in them. Um, mm-hmm. if you have any activity in a hunt at all, cause that sweat is going to be what kills you and not not whether it has 400 or 800 grams of fence lid in it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, consider those alternatives. Um, everything from packing down booties to pulling your boots off. And as you said, wrapping them in your jacket, things like that. Um, if you're on a, a multi-day hunt or happen to be carrying camp, as you said, Steve, pull out the sleeping bag, put your legs or feet in there. Um, so those types of things I've done a lot more of than truly wearing insulated boots. So again, context specific, not just based on the weather, but what are you actually doing in those conditions? I mean, even I did a workout this morning that was, it was 11 degrees here this morning. Um, when you're active, it just, you know, it's so much different than if you're stationary and that becomes really important to keep in mind and manage, especially on hunts where there's a mix of both. Uh, you talk about all the time of like, if you're starting even on a September hunt and a, a cool September morning, you want to start chilly. Like you don't want to start comfortable when you're active because you're going to overheat, um, and moisture in the system, whether that's in your socks and your shirt on your body, whatever in colder weather, that's the problem. And that's what gets really difficult to manage. As you just said, Steve, when you're talking about like 800 gram Thinsula boots and you're doing a combination of stationary and mobile is overheating, uh, and then freezing. And honestly, like that goes back to my whitetail hunting of it gets really difficult to manage that, especially with feet and very cold conditions on a tree stand. Um, because you need to hike in and it's easy to get overheated doing that. And then you go sit there pre sunrise in a tree stand, completely stationary, usually with your feet on a metal stand and full circulation, no insulation from the ground. And then you just freeze. Um, and that's when I figured out like how important it is to manage moisture and then be stationary, whether that's for an hour or for four hours. Right. Um, so that's just, yeah, things to keep in mind there. Not so much on the boot choice, but on, on strategies for the winter, for sure. Um, Steve, you mentioned it. We had a question. I wasn't necessarily planning on tackling it today, but since you brought it up and gosh, dang it, we keep coming back to boots. <laughs> That's like, a, the, here's, our new re- here's our new year's <laughs> resolution. Stop talking about feet and boots. But as much as we do, the questions keep coming. Dang. Right. It's, a, it's, it's the number one gear I, thing though, right? I like, know, I mean, it is. Boots and pack, tough. man. Like those are the two. Yeah. Yeah. So justifiably talked about a lot. All right. So we'll do it only because you brought it up. Way to go, Steve. Yeah. Someone wrote in and said, how did you decide on the Salomon cross hike GTX shoes for your sheep hunts? 
Uh, they don't have the best reviews compared to the, some of the other trail running options that Salman has to offer. Uh, mm-hmm. He's a bigger guy, 6'3", 220. He's uh, basically considering transitioning from uh, stiff boots to something more like a trail runner, specifically for hunting elk in Idaho. Any feedback would be appreciated. Steve, I feel like you mentioned maybe on the podcast or just to me, you literally walked into REI, bought the boots, went on a sheep hunt. Was yeah. it that like non-strategic? Well, it, um, I mean, this is based off of 15 something years now wearing size 11 and a half Solomon's like I, any one I can just grab and go use. I've done that. Um, the last two hundred mile death hikes, I would go buy a brand new pair of Solomon. Um, those were speed crosses um, slap them on and go. Cause I know within the first mile they're broken into my foot and I'm good to go. And then they're, they're brand new. So m- priority there would just be like the cushioning and stuff is, is just completely like as best as it's going to be. Right. It's not broken down at all. Um, but that's just, I've, I've done, I've done that enough or past experiences of buying them and going on training hikes. I just don't have any issues. So that, that's, it's not like that was uh it's not like I grabbed some brand that I've never used before and, and went and did that right it was a very very informed decision and then the, the cross hikes um yeah they just had they just looked good like they were like a mid-height boot uh great tread pattern on the bottom uh so yeah i just kind of went for it and again i wasn't literally pulled them out of the box in at the trailhead slipped them on my foot and went and hiked in there um and, and i loved them they were definitely lacking i had a couple like, you know, I, like I said, at the end of that hunt, they were done. Um, they're relegated, like mowing the yard shoes now after just one, you know, really one hunt, which was two different hunts in the, in the Frank church and, well, you know, well over a hundred miles, probably. I don't know. There's a lot of, a lot of miles covered in there, um, of rough, rough, rough terrain. I mean, the roughest stuff that I've ever been in, uh, not, you know, Alaska, lower 48, whatever, um, but they, yeah, they're, I mean, they're done They're So, um, but for this guy, if he's one thing that I've learned, um, pr- primarily from the death hikes is the guys that like stiff boots. And then I convinced to try a lighter shoe. I, I, you have to do that over months. I don't think you can just like do a couple training hikes and then go do something big. So if this guy wants to transition, buy a pair now and start hiking in them, you know, three, four days a week, all the way up until hunting season. Cause I, I think there's, you've got to build up the, the foot muscles. Um, you got to build up the ankle. I mean, everything, I think you're walking in a much more natural kind of cadence, um, posture, whatever you want to say there, uh, with a more flexible light shoe on than you are with a stiff boot. And you, your body's probably got to relearn to do that if it's used to hiking in a stiffer boot. So do that now. So it's not new to you when hunting season comes. Um, and you can also just figure out if they're going to work for you by summer, you're going to know, right. Go on a couple backpacking trips and, and, uh, see what's going on there. Um, get in some, get in some off trail stuff and test them out. But, gotcha. uh, Solomon's just a, they just, yeah, they, the X ultras, uh, that's what I was going to ask. How would you yeah. compare the cross hikes to like the X ultra mid? Um, X ultra mid is going to be a tiny bit stiffer. Um, pretty, I mean, pretty similar. I, I mean, I'd probably start with a X ultra mid and then if you like it, go for on from there. And th- again, one 
side note is like, just keep in mind, like you're going to buy these boots. I used to have, um, what would I do? I basically buy a brand new pair, like September 1st, right? Like the day or, you know, the week before hunting season. So I'd have a brand new pair for hunting season. I'd wear that same pair all the way through the, the next year, as far as like spring, summer training hikes. And then I'd buy a brand new pair start of hunting season. So I kind of like mm. every year was basically a pair lasted a season. Um, and that was like those X ultras, the X ultra two mids that I used to wear a lot. I mean, they would, they, they would leak, you know, some were hit. Sometimes it was almost instantaneously. Sometimes it'd be two thirds of the way before through September before they'd start leaking. But eventually I think the Gore-Tex just, you know, it's a light flexible boot. So it's flexing back and forth, back and forth, and just creates little kind of wrinkles in the Gore-Tex where then water kind of, you know, a crease, I guess you could say where water can get through. Um, but the durability wise, the tread was always great. And then I never really had issues with the shoe falling apart or anything like that. Um, but these, those cross hikes I wore this year, they're definitely like stuff's delaminating on them. And the yeah. two, the two eyelets at the top of the shoe, uh, were like coming off. I mean, I had more QC issues with those than I've had anything else, but again, they still, um, to me for the cost, they, they did their job. So. Got it. I like that, uh, strategy on how you cycle through boots with training and hunting. Cause so many guys are like, Oh, I'm going to buy a new pair of boots now. Right. Or for spring. And then I'm going to hunt with them in the spring train all summer and then go into my hunts because now my boots are quote unquote broken in. Right. Yeah. Just but if you're using a boot that doesn't need to break in, it makes a lot more sense to do what you did and basically buy closer to hunting season, just kind of verify with a couple hikes, maybe before your hunt, use them while they're fresh and prime for hunting. And then on the backside, they become your like training shoes for the following year. That's yeah. I like that. Yeah. Makes a lot more sense, but you can't do that if you're dealing with a boot that needs to be broken in. No. Yeah. It's the complete opposite. If you got a stiff yeah. boot that takes, you know, 20 to 50 miles to break in, that's a whole different story. So, yeah. but even then I'd still, if you had a, if you know, it breaks in at 50 miles, mm-hmm. um, buy them in July, put 50 miles in them, get them broken in and then, set them aside, you know, stop, stop using it and use them, uh, and save it for hunting season. Yeah. See, as much as we talk about boots, still learning stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cool. Well, let's wrap it up with this. What is for listeners, you guys, what's one thing. So what's one thing you want to hear about on the podcast this year, send us an email and let us know. And what is one thing that you can pursue this year? So maybe it's, that dream hunt that you need to start working towards, saving towards, figuring out how to make it happen. What's one new adventure outside of hunting you can do this year to get outside your comfort zone, something like our death hike. What's one new thing that's like a stretch goal for you. So I'd love to hear about that, whether it's uh, again, one thing you want to hear about the podcast or hear what your one thing is. It's adventurous and challenging this year. Um, to pick a couple of these guys and track them, like get them on the podcast, yeah. even just for 10 minutes on Monday minute, identify that one thing, follow up with them in March, July, September after season. Yeah. Um, kind of fun little thing to, uh, not only motivate that person, but also motivate others. Absolutely. Cool. So let us know guys, send us an email to podcast at exomountaingear.com. Tell us about your one thing for 2022 that you're going to do or want to do. And we'd love to chat with you about it. 
As always, guys, appreciate you tuning in. Uh, If you haven't yet, hit that subscribe or follow button in your podcast app to receive future episodes automatically. And if you're enjoying the show, share it with a friend, leave us a review, do something like that. It helps us a lot. We'll talk to you soon.